are back. Not too long ago, I'm sure, we featured an episode titled, I taught a class for a week, here's what I learned. I joined Lauren Huang and Raleigh Clemens, both of whom are student instructors like myself, to talk and reflect about our experiences teaching a preview class and the revelations that come out of those eventful, stressful, and eye-opening first few days. Well, it's been another week, at least for the time of taping. Suffice to say, we continue to evolve and develop our understanding of the teaching world. At one of our weekly meetings, Lauren mentioned how while it was great to list out all the difficulties and obstacles of teaching in our first episode, we need to eventually use these valuable insights, draw upon them, and come up with solutions to the issues we see in our school, in teaching culture, and in student culture. Raleigh also mentioned that it's important to consider that solutions are oftentimes difficult to generalize. But the crucial step, the crucial step, is to start its discussion. And I completely agree, which is why I want to dedicate the next few episodes of our Teacher Insight series to talk a little bit about solutions. In today's episode, we continue to talk about our experiences, additional insights, etc. But we also arrive to a strong conclusion about student propriety and choice. How does that play into engaged learning? What message do we give our kids if we take away their choices for class? Please join me in today's episode of Teacher Insights. With me are Lauren Huang and Raleigh Clemens. Enjoy. All right, and we're here back again with uh, Lauren and Raleigh. How are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty great. Um... It's definitely been an interesting three weeks of classes, um, but I'm excited to kind of reflect back on all this, all these teaching experiences. Yeah, uh, I would say it's definitely been um, interesting to you know teach um, this entire course um, with like no other um, assistants here, just in front of everyone lecturing, um, pointing at slides. I guess kind of guessing and checking to see what works. Um, (laughs) And it's definitely been an enlightening um, experience here where I've never um, had to do anything like this before, but um, it's really helping me, um, I guess, grow as a person to be able to teach. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the word of the day, at least in this case, for a podcast in this, at least in this series is interesting. (laughs) We it's, it's like as a polite way to say like, you know, instead of saying, oh my God, it's rough. I feel like I'm empty inside. We just say, yeah, it's 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 going interesting. <laughs> at least at least that's how I see it. Um, because I mean, it would be a lie. It would be a straight bold faced lie for for at least me to say that it has been an easy road because it definitely has not been. Um, you know, I'm sure all three of us have gone through obstacles, both mentally, physically as well. Jesus, I mean, you know, there is a there is a physical toll that speaking for an hour and a half takes takes on your body you know i don't want to sound too exaggerated it's not like you know we're running mile sprints here but uh it's it's set definitely something to not for the not for the faint-hearted i think um you know we, we've mentioned this before teaching is obviously not an easy job we already know how difficult it is we talked about it but um to, to just quickly start off I, I of course for the sake of our audience and for the sake really of my therapy here <laughs> i wanted to have all of us give an update of what our classes are like because last time we published a series on our teaching experiences we were done with a week a single week five days roughly what would that be like roughly um you you know seven and a half hours worth of teaching um so now today or at least the day this will be published we've gone through 
additional week and a half of teaching. Um, so obviously a week in the grand scheme of things, I get it is not conducive for like a lot of growth and a lot of additional insights. But at the same time though, change has happened, at least for my class, right? Um, it was interesting before we started recording, uh, Lauren Raleigh and I were talking and we were, we were kind of comparing the conversation all three of us had prior to us starting teaching. We, we, we met up actually together the Sunday prior to our first Monday lecture. I don't know if you guys, you guys remember that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we talked together and um, Lauren brought this up where I was like talking about like my goals for the class. And I was like, oh yeah, I want to like instill like this deep seated passion for, for, for these students that to love biology. And like my, my ultimate goal is, is it necessarily to, to quote unquote, give content or information, but rather to instill a sense of, of, of love and, and interest in the subject itself, which obviously is much more sustainable. But I think after a two weeks and a half of teaching, what I said, those were just pretty words in my opinion, because <laughs> in on paper, those are beautiful words to, to say and to think about and to envision, to dream. But in practice, those words are about as far from reality as possible in terms of just how achievable they are and how intangible it is to, quote unquote, instill passion into students. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, I mean, yeah, like for, for you, Lauren, you, where you're talking like starting off this, um, this, uh, this course prior, you know, to think retrospectively here, what were your goals for, for teaching this class for, for, for your students at least. Yeah. So I feel like I viewed, um, this teaching, this teaching experience kind of differently, definitely very differently from, um, how you did when you were starting. And yeah, so I just remember you talking about, um, basically like your visions for your class and how you wanted to instill this joy in learning. And I was sitting there like thinking, wow, um, that is much more profound than I had really considered. Um, basically, my goals with the class were, um, well, I'm also like just a very logical person. Um, usually when I look at a task, I'm like, okay, why does this task need to be done? And like, how do I get there? So basically, I was thinking that people were signing up for this class, um, one, because they were struggling in math. Or two, because they were taking a really difficult math class um, in the fall and they wanted to prepare. Or three, if, if their parents just signed them up. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but so I was kind of going in with just the goal to basically give these students um, the solid foundation that they needed to succeed. Like my goal, my main goal was just um, for them when they started. So I'm teaching Algebra 2 preview. And so my goal was that when they started this Algebra 2 class in the fall at their actual school, <clears throat> they would feel confident in the material and they would feel that I prepared them sufficiently. Um, and they would kind of have a sense of what was going on. So I think that my goals were more of just um, to just I guess not so much instill joy in learning, but to make sure that they succeed, which I think is a pretty different approach um, mm -hmm. to what you started out with. 
but all the more valid, I would say. But, but before I before I um you know talk more about that for for you, Raleigh, I'm curious as well. Like, was it also your line of thought, or was a combination? Um, what about you? Yeah, so um, I definitely started with like the same approach, um, where it was like I really want to instill like a passion or like an interest um, to this topic. But um, <laughs> I realized um, a little past my first weekend that even when I tried to make things fun, even when I tried to like give cahoots or give like more, um, I guess, um, enthusiastic ways of speaking, like, oh, why would this occur? Or like, this is why um, the compound carbon dioxide is a gas at room temperature or something like that um i i felt like there was still no interest in the classroom and the the kids there they would like be tilting their screens um up past their foreheads or um the ones where i could actually see their faces um i kind of realized that they weren't really interested in what i was talking about regardless of what i was talking about even if i tried to make it interesting i tried to make it um at least a little competitive in a way that um you try to get the answer right um and I, I realized that um, basically, if I'm going to be teaching and I'm going to be trying to make um, them passionate, I should be at least trying to teach the subject itself. And I should um, head more towards lectures, I'd say, um, and not necessarily quiz um, cahoots or quizlets or the fun material like labs, because um, they don't seem to find that stuff interesting. So if they're going to be forced to be here, um, they might as well get something out of it, I guess is my um, motto here. So... <laughs> Uh, I've spent most of my days lecturing. I still try to instill a little bit of fun in the class, like cahoots to warm up. Um, but in a class of four people, you can't really have like a good cahoot game playing. So it's been a little hard to um, <laughs> direct interest towards the subject, direct passion. But um, I guess thinking optimistically, I think I've lectured maybe at least half of the entire entirety of honors chemistry. So I, I think I'm doing pretty well in terms of lectures. I just think I'm making them hate the subject. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man it's it's definitely we, we talked about this right you don't want to have the fear of being that one teacher that like completely ruined the subject for them right yeah it's, it's a scary thought <laughs> but um but yeah i mean to quickly go back to and, and again you know same thing uh what raleigh said right your, your your viewpoints especially mine in this case uh evolve right because i think lauren took a very practical approach to it whereas i took like this almost illusionary approach like this fantastical uh you know unclaimable unreachable thing that that really it's it's more actually because now that i think of it like f so like for for you lauren you know to, to teach them confidence right in the material itself if you think about it all the classes that we really like are the classes that we like naturally do well in aka being confident in right i doubt we've ever mm -hmm. liked a class where we didn't feel confident in right i, I don't think that's I'm, I'm probing my memory here i don't think that's ever been the case <laughs> right like it doesn't make sense yeah um, that's so true. I feel like um, my approach to teaching, like this more practical method, it also kind of stems from um, just since I'm teaching math as well, um, it stems from like the really impactful math teachers that I've had um, throughout high school. And I can, and when I was planning out my classes, I had two teachers um, who were basically like kind of at the forefront of my mind. Um, as to what I kind of wanted to achieve with my class. And what really stuck out to me with them was um, that, like you said, they made me feel really confident in the material because um, like I might not, going into their class, I um, 
really was not confident in math at all. Like math had never really been a subject that I had ever considered that I was good at. Um, it was all the, it was always that subject that I was like, Oh, math, I don't like math. Um, and so it's kind of crazy to me that I'm teaching it now, but that's honestly like the impact that those teachers had on me because one, they were really kind and they never, um, like disregarded a question and they were always, um, there for me, but also two, they just had such an expansive math knowledge and the way they explained things was, um, really applicable to me and also really simple. I feel like math um, is considered like a really hard subject by a lot of people, but really it just depends on the way that you learn it. And the way that I learned it from these teachers was really amazing. So I kind of just wanted to apply that approach to my own class and just teach the material in a way that was really like comprehensive and really easy to understand for the students while laying like a really solid foundation for them. Yeah, exactly. And and technically through that approach, you will also develop a love for for the subject because if you're if you're proficient at it, you'll end up you'll end up obviously interested in it. Um so 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 I guess in a way my approach was um looking at step 50 when I should have been looking at step 1 which was to just simply, you know, get the content out there to, to make them familiar. And 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 truthfully, that's how my class eventually evolved into like at first I wanted to do a bunch of things like activities discussions group panels um games etc make it make it immersive make it fun until i realized like i only have three weeks right i mean the point of the class ultimately like what lauren said is a preview class um and it's it's meant for you to prepare content and knowledge prior to taking the class where the bulk of information and enjoyment should quote should i should emphasize should (laughs) come from (laughs) um so, 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 yeah, I mean, one thing to explore, perhaps, however, is the nature of how our classes are formed. Because like we said in the previous episode, it's difficult to extrapolate our experience to a true teaching experience. We're teaching, quote unquote, a preview class. It's three weeks long. Uh, it's made of multiple grade levels. So, you know, you don't have like a consistent group demographic here. And also, I think most importantly, it's not for credit. It's a non-credit course. And because of that, and we can maybe explore this, you know, incentives are, are way out of whack. Like, what can you... Okay, this is not the best way, but like, hypothetically speaking, what are you supposed to, quote-unquote, threaten the kid with, right? Like, <laughs> the threat of bad grades is um, no longer there right which i think plays a huge part in terms of accountability um at least to academically minded students but if it's not for credit and it's just a preview class and you have them for three weeks suddenly it becomes like an almost impossible task to even convince them that this class is worth their time you know um so so i'm I'm sure we can explore quickly like the dynamic of the classroom you feel in a non-for-credit course as opposed to like a four credit course, for instance. Yeah, um, I honestly um, completely agree um, with the whole um, assessing your audience um, part of teaching a course, um, especially because um, these people um, in our course are likely people who were um, kind of, I don't want to say forced, but you know, encouraged by their parents to take the course. Um, and, and these people um, 
are generally not the type of people who would um, be taking this class if it wasn't for their parents. So I think um, assessing your audience um, is very, very important here, um, especially because, like David said, the class is not for credit. And um, there's no like actual incentive um, to actually do well or like take the test um, in this class, other than that you'll be more prepared for the upcoming year when you take the actual course. Um, and I, I do have an experience um, in in my um, class. I won't go too much into this um, for the sake of time, but uh, I did assign a quiz and um, I extended the deadline three times and only half of the class um, was able to submit the quiz. Um, so there's definitely something whack here. Um, like David said, motivations are down. Um, aspirations are down. Um, the interest of the students here to do well Um is very, very low in a course that doesn't have credit. And I know for me, um, especially when I was taking courses um, back in high school, um, initially, if I'm not interested in the subject and I know that um, the course isn't for a grade, then I would honestly not feel much of an incentive to learn or to do well in the course because I know that it won't affect me in the future, won't be part of my major. Um, and honestly, I think that's a bad way of thinking, but it's what falls upon us um, as human nature, I would say. And most of the students in this class are taking part in that human nature where they don't feel incentivized to do any of the work um, because one, it's not for credit, and two, they don't seem to be too passionate about the subject. It's it's like a it's like a catch twenty two almost, right? You're <laughs> you're put in a position where obviously you don't have a environment where you can motivate. But but then that's the question, right? Like, why do students need? Why do we need a grade, or why why do we need to have this this incentive? of uh credit or or letter on a piece of paper right like you know the the more you think about it obviously it's more complicated than that right but in an optimized perfect world wouldn't you say like the point of going to school is for the point of learning right it's the point of growth uh and maybe maybe that's too much to expect from from students but I mean, is this a cultural thing? Is this something that we've always like fostered in our schools where credit, like grades, is like the ultimate is the ultimate proxy for success and that's why we and that's why we strive for it so much while we've kind of forgotten that the true purpose of learning, of education, is learning and the, the growth of uh so so I guess you're in like two you can either be in two schools of thought, right? Either school is for credential. Or either school is for growth and nurture. Uh, mm -hmm. Higher ed, you know, I think that that argument becomes a little bit more balanced. But I think the younger you go, the less you can put. Obviously, like in first grade, you're, there's no argument for credentials because <laughs> I mean, um, you, the the point is more. So, like as you grow older and as you approach middle school, high school, and eventually onto college, credentials becomes a much more it much more prominent argument for the purposes of education as opposed to growth nurturing and the pursuit of knowledge itself right um so so in your guys's mind you know at a middle school level at, at least for our students i know some of us have like incoming freshmen incoming sophomores but but about this like credential versus growth nurture pursuit of knowledge camps where do you see yourself as or or it could just be straight down the middle of the line yeah, um, I think, I think that, um, so you were saying that there was this kind of, these different mindsets, and I feel like I can also see that divide in mindsets between, um, 
like middle school and high school versus maybe college. Um, so you were saying that there is like this mindset to basically just get the grade, right? And succeed, I guess, by getting just getting the grade. But then there's also this other mindset where you want to actually grow as a person. And I feel like um, a lot of that like actual agency to really want to grow as a person comes with um, having the choice um, to pick what you learn and to like learn what you really are interested in, Um, which I feel like is a, and I feel like that is a big factor that plays into whether someone is um, really motivated and inspired in a course as well. Like if you think about in middle school and high school where these students that we're teaching, um, they probably didn't choose to be in these classes. Um, they right. don't really get much choice over what classes they choose in high school. Um, and that is um, probably why they just don't really have much interest in the class itself. But I feel like, and I've heard from a lot of students around me as well as, um, and I also think that Something that has always been really exciting to me about college is that like I get to go there for what I really want to pursue in my life. Um, And I get to choose the courses that are like, I guess, directly applicable to my career. And that's kind of one major thing that makes college so attractive for me is the fact that I get the choice to pursue and to, cho- to pursue the things that I'm really interested in and to actually choose the courses that I want to take. And so by doing that, I'm choosing to be in that learning environment and I'm choosing to really put in 100% of my effort into that class. But when you're forced to be there, you're not going to have that same kind of motivation. So um, I feel like that also kind of... Um, Leads to an interesting point because I feel like in high school, a lot of us, we choose our courses so that they appear more competitive. Um, they pe- appear to be stronger like on our trans- on our transcripts so that we can get into a good college. Um, so a lot of that like agency is taken away from us. Um, whereas in college, we really just want to choose what is right for like our own interests and our future um, according to like what we really want to learn about. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a really good point um, that you need to be aware of like the people who are taking your class. Um, like Lauren said, a lot of them are going to be forced to take your class. And um, in terms of passion, I feel like um, as a teacher, um, even an introductory course teacher, all you can really do is try to teach um, the topic, teach the subject. Um, and even if you try to make it fun or interesting, or even if you make it boring and just full of lectures, I feel like um, especially if it's an introductory course, um, if someone is truly going to be passionate about the subject, they have to be passionate about the subject itself and not um, the games or the fun centered around the subject. And I think um, the passion that propels most people through college, through their major, comes from the actual like learning um, inside other subjects. Like, for instance, um, maybe a math major would feel motivated to search um, math concepts beyond the range um, of his or her course. Um, and I, I think that um, it's a very, very good um, thing to do when you're teaching a course. Um, you should teach the subject. Um, don't try to make it flowery and make it like feel better for the students. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say is 
if they have a passion, let that passion develop. Don't shut them down. Don't like say, oh, that was such an awful question. Don't be a bad teacher, but also don't be too worried um, and like try to flower up the content to like meet their approval. Because um, I guess in some ways you're securing a bad passion in the students. You're securing a passion um, in the fun centered around the subject and not the actual subject itself. And I feel like that could lead to some consequences um, in college if the student actually realizes that they don't like the major itself um, because they might have a professor that lectures all the time or um, doesn't make things interesting. So I feel like something to really be um, careful about is to teach the subject as it is, um, definitely incorporate some fun, um, but don't give them a false sense of security about the subject um, and instill a passion that they might not want to fulfill later. Um, It's always good to let them explore their options, but I feel like kind of as a teacher um, and as a student in high school, I've realized that um, teachers really do dictate um, how you perceive a subject and how you perceive your passions in the subject. But I feel like um, as you move on into college and you actually pick for your major, um, it's not the teachers that really influence it as much, whereas it's the actual subject and what you learn and how motivated you are to learn um, above and beyond the expectations of the class that really fuels your passion and makes you um, passionate to complete your major and graduate college and go into the job field. Yeah, well, and that kind of points back to the idea that high school isn't necessarily meant for you to decide what career you want. So it's all right to like a class because of the teacher, right? I mean, it's not like, you know, oh, I like physics. Boom, I'm a physicist. I have to become a physicist. Now. You know, it's, 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 it's very, very contrived from that point on, uh, whereas it's, it's much more direct in college. So um, I think it's less of an issue for us to instill to be instilled like a sense of passion quote unquote um but more i think it's a sense of interest right it's less of a passion than interest passion is a big word passion is a scary word it's a word that i think causes more panic than it does reassurance because it's something that is a so intangible yet b such a required element for like a happy life that we're all like running in circles trying to figure out how to get to it right but to quickly go back to Lauren's point, because I really like uh, the, the the idea that, you know, a, as we go through school and, and you know, as we, you know, it's the same thing with agency, right? As we go through school, particularly high school, you have to ask yourself how much, how many external forces are acting on you, dictating your decisions to take whatever class. And I think therein lies partly one of our solutions that that we're presenting here is how do we bring a sense of choice and ownership back to students? You know, how do we bring back a sense of ownership so that people can kind of own up to the things that they're learning? Because I I would have to agree with Lauren, like, you know, a lot of the classes I took, you know, while ultimately I was willing to take any class, really, because, you know, I was perfectly fine with learning um, pretty much anything with the notable exception of maybe... French. Um, <laughs> we didn't. We, we actually um, disbanded our French class in like my freshman year, so that couldn't have happened. But um, but yeah, I, but still, like I would say that there were so many exterior forces that influenced my schedule making, right? Whether it was obviously college and, and making a competitive uh, transcript, versus obviously you have your credit requirements, versus um, the prestige of the class itself, which, again, it's a very subversive reason, but at the same time, it's still an acting reason that I know many students take. You know, like, taking AP blank looks, feels, I guess, 
acts better than normal blank, whether it's AP physics versus physics, AP biology versus biology, AP st- statistics versus statistics, um, you know, to, to the quote unquote hardworking uh, overachieving student taking that label of a college board, college board approved class. Uh, <laughs> it's apparently, again, it's like one of these weird ass incentives of you take a class. Oh, I guess. Okay. It makes sense. It's a harder class. It's more accelerated. You know, there's still some tangible things, but <laughs> I feel like a lot of times it's also the branding. <laughs> if you know what I mean? Um, but again, my point is there's a lot of, a lot, a lot of external forces that are acting upon our decisions that, that, dictate what classes we take and therefore what subjects we're exposed to so maybe the solution is like these kids who are taking our class seemingly against their will you know maybe it's it's time to consider how can we give agency back to students yeah i mean i feel like that's um i feel like we can give agency back to the students kind of on a smaller scale Um, As in, like, in the class, we can kind of let them um, have more freedom in the way that they learn. Um, Like, we don't have to micromanage them. But I think on a larger scale, if we really want to give students complete agency and choice over over what they are learning, I feel that that's kind of a problem with this system and the society in general, because um, basically like college and our idea of success um, shapes ultimately like our lives down to um, really small details, like which courses we take in school. And I feel like as teachers, we can't, we're able to solve some of these problems on a smaller scale, but we can't really but we're just like this small part of like this really big problem in the yes. system um, yes. that we can't really, that we don't really have the power to address individually. So that's I agree. a pretty difficult question to, um, you know, just address as like a single teacher or, you know, as three teachers, because the problem really lies in the system itself. Yeah. It's, it's like a, us against the world kind of thing we're (laughs) banded together to face the challenges and opponents and enemies and villains of the world no but i I totally get that it's i think actually you know it's kind of funny every conversation i ever have regarding education always leads to this final conclusion saying it's it always it always i can guarantee this it always snakes back to the idea that it's the system it's the system and it's too big it's too pervasive it's been it's been the norm and tradition for many, many more years than we've ever been alive. Many more generations, in fact. And, you know, it's a question of productivity, right? Is it productive for us to criticize a system where change seemingly is nigh upon impossible and instead focus our attentions to the, the small but but still impactful uh um, influences we have as individual teachers to individual students, right? It's like a, it's like the trickle up versus trickle down philosophy of, you know, one raindrop raises the sea. That's the trickle up version where, you know, you start your impact from a single student. If you can get them to, 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 to love again, to love school 
um, with a deeper passion, that's a victory in, in my book, at least. And, and, and then from there, you would expand from the ground up. Uh, and, and the opposite school of thought would be to, to think that, okay, one raindrop raises the sea, but you know, why don't I just, um, I don't know, uh, create a reservoir i don't i don't know how this metaphor is gonna <laughs> gonna extend out but uh the, the the point is from the, the other side will be trickled down where instead you attempt this is important here attempt to uh to tackle the system itself and of course that's much more difficult much larger in scope much less tangible but at the same time it i guess it promises a bigger return um and and that's the thing, right? Where we talk about solutions here, and when one solutions is like, oh, increase agency for students. Well, how does that work? Where when agency is kind of naturally taken away in high school because of how colleges dictate how you should pr- present yourself as a as a student with your transcript and all that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, is it is it is it our job instead to you know it's to put this in context, right? Is it our job to go to our classrooms and try to instill agency by giving them choices on what to learn within within the class, right? Maybe that's the, that's the idea. Or would you rather tackle the colleges themselves, the, the final bosses, and say that, hey, you guys need to focus less on what kind of classes these kids take and instead their personality traits that seemingly are, are more uh, desirable. Two different approaches, two different solutions, and two completely different scopes. But um, I mean, I think inevitably it's it's really up to up to our preferences here, and and whether or not we see one way being more productive. Yeah, um, I think it's um one of the most controversial topics um in like the entire system that we're talking about. Um, and I think we like definitely hinted over this, but I don't think anyone's like explicitly stated it yet. But um, I would say that the common core here is definitely one of the main problems with the system. But you can't really be all for it or all against it, because on one hand, it's supposed to help develop passions in like high school students or college students, and um, help them maybe see that maybe if they think that they should go into STEM because of what their parents say, um, that actually a humanity major um, might suit them better based on the courses that they take and the common core courses that they take. Um, but on the other hand, um, like we were talking about the whole concept of giving agency to these students, we're taking away their ability to select courses that directly pertain to their major. And even in college, when you're um, separated into different colleges and you're able to like kind of shape your um, course load that it fits with your major, most colleges usually have um, a system where they have you take humanities courses along with your STEM courses, um, even if you are like a full STEM major, even if you decided your passion. So I, I feel like the common core, um, especially as part of the system here, the, the common core, um, it's really hard to argue for or against completely. And um, as for students, um, giving them more agency in these courses, I feel like if we gave them more of an ability to choose um, what they want to take, not just in our class, like teaching them um, what they want to learn, but also um, in the entire high school or college curriculum, giving them a chance to choose their course load, um, giving them a chance to skip the common core curriculum and study what they want, um, whether it's humanities or STEM. Um, I feel like that would give them more of a passion to actually learn and not actually strive just for the grade points or strive just for the teacher recommendation or strive for the um, clout, the AP clout there. Um, I feel like if we gave students a chance to be able to take whatever courses they wanted to um, and still graduate from high school, 
whether they graduate um, from pure humanities or pure STEM, um, I think it's re- it's really important to give students um, this type of control over their lives and control over what they study, because um, that way they'll be able to follow their passions and even maybe like turn around if their passions don't work out. But when you um, split them with the Common Core curriculum, um, you're kind of silencing part of their passions and stealing that away from them, I would say. I just thought it was a really interesting point. Um, what Raleigh was saying about having about allowing students to kind of choose like an area of focus, um, even in high school or earlier. And I feel like that's really interesting because the concept of like a concentration or majors is something that we've pretty much only that we pretty much just restricted to college. Um, but I feel like that's a really interesting concept to have in like high school or even middle school because, um, well, I feel like it would be really beneficial for the kids who do know what they are passionate about and what they want to learn more about. And it definitely, I think, would give them a bigger sense of agency and really um, help to further develop that passion instead of like kind of restrict it by forcing them to take other courses that would also look good on a transcript. But then there's also that problem um, that, so we were talking about how we need to give students more agency to choose um, the subjects that they're really interested in. But like, what if students don't know what they're interested in? Because even going into college, a lot of people, they go in undeclared or they'll just choose like a random major because they don't know what they're actually interested or passionate about. Um, So I guess in another sense, having this like more broad curriculum um, that's, I guess, kind of forced upon students as well um, is, can be helpful for students to, I guess, get a taste of like different subjects and figure out what they are interested in. Because I know for me personally, even though um, I did know what I wanted to pursue, I guess, in life from a pretty young age, um, having this kind of curriculum um, where I wasn't able to choose my classes as freely, um, even though I was kind of unhappy about it sometimes, it also did expose me to a lot of subject areas that I ended up being really interested in that I did not think I would be at first. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually kind of the same thing here where I, well, I guess I'm less so, I'm less sure I'm coming into college undeclared. So I guess I'm in that, I'm in that camp of complete unawareness of what I would like to be as a person or as a, as a professional career. But, um, but yeah, I absolutely agree. It's um, the idea of a passion. And like we said, the passion and career interest and, and ultimate fulfillment is, I think, falsely emphasized in high school in that you know, it's, yes, it's important, obviously, to to try and explore what you're interested in. But at the same time, I think we put almost too much emphasis on it where that's the only thing we focus on when, you know, what's wrong with like a all discipline, multidisciplinary approach to learning where you try and make the most out of every subject, despite whether or not you think, quote unquote, you are compatible with or not. And, you know, again, that could be a completely other conversation regarding, you know, philosophies of education, which um, is a whole nother deep conversation. <laughs> but I guess from here, uh, I think we've covered everything we wanted to cover uh, regarding, uh, you know, some of our new thought- thoughts and some of our new insights that we've 
been able to pick up, detect, and and grow as we've continued on teaching. And and again, um, Raleigh, Lauren, um, I think I think this has been a great opportunity for us to open our eyes to the perspectives that are quite sorely needed um, retrospectively of our of our of what teachers are like. Because as we head off to college, I think we also have a benefit of understanding what it's supposed to be like what it is and what it should be like you know um so i guess with that said um thank you again guys for for coming on the show and sharing your thoughts i absolutely love talking to you guys it's been a pleasure always has um but yeah other than that we should uh wrap up here uh to our audience um thank you guys for tuning in on another episode of our teacher insights teacher enlightenment (laughs) however uh however you'd like to Uh, think of it but uh yeah thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you guys in the next episode